Welcome to the Green Element Podcast, where we meet business leaders, innovators, transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable, and in the process, help you on your journey of sustainability. I'm your host, Will Richardson. Today, we are speaking with Michael Solomon from Profit Through Ethics, which delivers Responsible 100. Profit Through Ethics is an organization that is helping businesses to balance the pursuit of profit with the health, wealth, and happiness of everyone else. Michael has over 17 years of experience in innovation and entrepreneurship in responsible business. He recently completed a seven-month stint as UK Enterprise Director for the FinTech for Good startup, Kogo. And he was fellow on Zinc's Mission 3. Michael, welcome. Thank you very much, Will. What was it that started your journey into business ethics? There's a, there are a number of versions of this. Um, I'll, 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 I'll aim for the sort of one to two minute version. Um, it, I, I, I was a little bit late into education. Um, I, I mentioned that to you. I went to university to do economics and finance, as it turned out, and graduated at 28. And um, I did a little bit of banking just enough to realize that was not for me um, and um, intriguing that it was. Um, and then I went into financial publishing because you know that was the first opportunity that came up when I moved to London. And um, I ended up liking financial publishing, uh, although we did lots of really dull things like uh, debt and uh, equity, global custody, uh, banking technology, um, and created these journals and websites and, um, wrote about these things and had people have advertise around that did the odd event um i um it was fine and, and, I, and i and i actually quite like being a, a salesperson they this is a strange place that hired me to be um on the editorial team and then said actually the job is on the sales team and i just sort of shrugged on day one and did it um but it was a bit of a strange place and um somebody came in and said look csr is the new thing um we need to create a, a journal for csr and I got the long straw or the short straw, depending on how you look at it, and um, was going to be the, the publisher for this this new media brand, a CSR media brand. Um, and I looked at it and um, I sort of, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. What is that? CSR what? Um, and did some research and ended up with these glossy brochures from these big banks and these big oil companies. And I scratched my head. I just thought, you know, maybe I've missed something. Is there some sort of joke that, I'm, that they're playing on me or um, business is playing on me or these businesses are playing on, on everyone else? Um, I, I find a glossy brochure from a big bank or a big oil company talking about how great they are, how responsible they are to be somewhat lacking in credibility. And um, it, it really did perplex me for a, for a period of time. And I realized, you know, this is, this is how businesses, certainly big businesses do CSR. This is 19 years ago, not 17 years ago. Um, and um, what I proposed to my bosses was that we couldn't help these companies to do that. this. You know, I really was not interested in that whatsoever. But I was intrigued by the idea of credible CSR and creating a credible CSR media brand where the businesses had to prove that this is not some sort of exercise in greenwash. We didn't have the term or use the term greenwash 19 years ago. I think that's sort of 10 or 12 years old, that term. But at the time, we knew what it was. And um, let's not do that. Let's have a credible space for businesses that want to do this in a way that they are seeking to be trusted. They're not seeking to um, sell us some green credential that's rather dubious. They're going to be serious about what they're communicating. 
um, and the business, the financial uh, publishing company that I worked for never really got that. And um, at the time I thought, I don't have any sort of commitments that uh, prevent me from doing this. I really like this idea. I'm going to quit this this job and I'm going to pursue this myself and I'll give it a year or so and I'm, I will see where we get to. Um, and uh, 19 years later, we are, you know, essentially consultants that have worked with hundreds and hundreds of businesses and work with NGOs and campaign groups um, with this pretension of uh, being entrepreneurs and um, creating some means of productizing uh, what we do so we can look after hundreds or thousands of businesses rather than 10 or 20 or so that we work with on a one-to-one -one client client basis that the, the process that we go through is something that has always appeared to be rep, replica, uh, replicable and therefore scalable uh, and so we've uh, worked with businesses we've pushed them to do real csr meaningful csr and we've um, always looked at how to do this at a at a, at a greater scale than that as of a consultancy and have you have you found over the years that the conversations have changed i um when you're looking at um csr in an organization looking at supply chain and looking at the details of the supply chain have you have you noticed that the language from your clients has changed I think I think the challenges are are, are, are the same. Um, more businesses are talking about uh, CSR sustainability impact purpose, um, and more parts of the business, more functions within the business are aware that this is probably important and we should be doing something. Um, I, I think the challenge is pretty much the same. You know, how do we how do we do all this stuff in a, in a meaningful, relevant, credible way? in a useful way um, and still be a profitable business. You know, this is um, still still the number one challenge um, because there really are powerful incentives to do glossy CSR reporting, to greenwash, <laughs> to do a few good things perhaps, but then to, you know, the temptation is to overblow that and how you communicate um, and um, do the equivalent of glossy CSR report. and. People have been bombarded with these messages about how great businesses are forever, you know, ever since businesses started advertising and talking about how great they were. Um, and people have always been a little bit dubious about that. Somebody that's trying to sell me something is talking about how great it is. Mm, we need to take that with a pinch of salt. And businesses talking about social, environmental or ethical, <laughs> you need to take it with an even bigger pinch of, sh pinch of salt. Um, and I'm, um, you know, I think this is one of the big challenges is um, overcoming um, those powerful drivers and incentives to greenwash, to, to overstate what you do, and to put your effort and resources into the perception, you know, winning the, the battle or the war in perception, you know, get people to think we're responsible, that's more important than actually operating in a responsible way. Um, so those, those, those challenges persist now as they have done over the last 19 years, as far as I, I, I can tell. It's interesting you say that we had a company on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that sell you know washing up liquid and um dishwasher detergent etc and one of the questions i asked them was because he was saying that they are there's no real difference between them and ecova and i was saying why is it that you don't shout about your sustainability credentials and interestingly he said something very similar to what you've just said it's much better at concentrating on how we can actually 
um, better the ingredients and put the money into the, you know, making the product rather than shouting about how. And he said, if you actually look at the ingredients between a organization that says that they are really, really green and one that doesn't, there's actually not much difference in the ingredients. Um, so um, I'd be interested to find out what his strategy is to to to, to compete and with his with his um, superior product, um, you know, because you have to communicate that somehow and and to differentiate. If that's if that's a better choice from an environmental perspective than Ecover, then I'd like to I'd like to buy that, not Ecover. But um, how do I find out about it? So. You know, it's 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 really difficult. Um, it's really difficult, as I said. These 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 drivers and these incentives are such that um, uh, most businesses want want to talk about it, especially if the NGOs and Extinction Rebellion and Greta Thunberg et al are putting increasing pressure on on everyone to to, to explain where they stand vis-a-vis the environment. Um, we need to do something. We need to say something. Um, and um, what we've observed is that um, lots and lots of businesses will will talk, be selective about their overall impact. <laughs> they may want to talk about um, circular economy, or um, they may want to talk about diversity in the workplace. They may want to talk about human rights and supply chain. And these are all you know, incredibly important issues. But um, it doesn't mean to say that there's nothing to talk about when it comes to, for example, the culture of the organization or the engagement of the employees or um, tax. You know, tax is an incredible. <laughs> I met the founders of the Tax Justice Network when they were getting going 14, 15 years ago. These incredible, heroic people that um, uh, were the reason that tax as a responsibility issue got onto the front pages of the newspapers, not just. The Guardian, but also the Daily Mail and right-wing press, because it's a, a an issue of fairness, and and there are plenty of shopkeepers or small business owners owners across the land that are you know angry. <laughs> These huge giants can book profits of, uh, overseas and get away with uh, a paying no tax in the country where they heavily using the infrastructure and um, skilled workforce, etc. Tax is a is a really, really important issue. And um, John Christensen was um, making these points uh, at a conference when I met him 14, 15 years ago, and he was right. And that's become an incredibly important issue. And now President Biden's talking about taxation. So in a way, which is quite interesting to set sort of international rules. But, um, you know, my point is that all of these issues are really important. And um, I don't think we've helped ourselves by essentially allowing a business to define those things it wants to talk about and not talk about those things it doesn't want to talk about. You know, the result is businesses want to put themselves in a good light, positive light, and they want to talk about the good things that they do and um, the tendencies to overplay that, to, to, to ignore the some of the challenges, some of the things they do badly. Um, and um, people are cynical and skeptical of businesses that claim that they're responsible and there is this real apathy and cynicism and i don't have power i don't have agency as a consumer i cannot identify and therefore support the genuinely good businesses uh, at the expense of the bad ones um, so those businesses that the one you've suggested that's, that's better than ecover you know how do we identify and support and reward it and give it incentives to go further and further with these uh, better and better um, formulas for its product. I guess, I guess the pure virtue 
that they were on our that they were on our podcast kind of says that they're obviously recognizing what you've just what you've just said they wouldn't have been um because they asked to come on it um so i mean the capitalist system in which businesses operate make it difficult for ethics to be at the top of the agenda do you think it's possible that we can tweak the system to ensure that businesses can operate profitably and ethically and if so how yeah, I, I guess that's the sort of um, the holy grail or the sort of north star um, for for us. Um, I think it is possible, and um, we'd like to be catalyzing that relationship. Um, I think, um, you know, as you said, that the name of the our business is is Profit Through Ethics Limited. We changed it to that name almost exactly ten years ago, just over ten years ago, having spent nine years working with businesses to try to get them to do meaningful, credible, real CSR and um, uh, and to actually look at difficult problems and think about how to respond better and perform better as organisations sitting down with the NGOs and the campaign groups to really thrash these things out and having some success in getting businesses large and small to do that. Um, not all of them stopped the glossy CSR reporting <laughs> did that at the same time, but we found that we were doing some really useful, interesting work and we were doing it on a range of issues and we were working with businesses that were prepared to be account- <coughs> accountable on a range of issues. But what we found is that um, that never seemed to last. Um, and even the best businesses, um, often the tendency was to sort of revert to this cherry picking and and um, and being highly selective and, and not doing anything other than glossy CSR reporting. Is that because we've had a few difficult uh, quarters uh, and the budgets have been slashed? Is that because this new CSO CEO has come in and he doesn't have this vision about this sort of sustainable, fair future like the old one that was jettisoned? You know, we've just seen this happen at Danon. Um, and uh, it's been happening for, for many years uh, that, that what the CEO believes in matters and that can set the strategy and the path forward for the business. Um, so uh, there were a variety of reasons where we, we were very disappointed to realize that um, even many of the businesses that we work with, we could get them to do something exciting and meaningful and brave uh, one year and then the next year they weren't there and they were reverting to the glossy CSR reporting. And it occurred to us that this was only ever going <laughs> to happen at the margin. It was only going to be a selective, uh, an add-on, a nice-to-have when times are fair um, for, for many, many, many businesses. And um, the only way for this stuff to be central and to be important now and next week and next month and next year and in the future was if it was about profitability. And you, you know, that's that's a sort of fundamental belief for us, such that we change the name of our business. Um, if 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 you can make genuine responsibility improve your profitability, and a lack of responsibility uh, destroy diminish your profitability, then the world can change. Then we can get onto the trajectory to a fair, livable, sustainable future. Um, and I, I think it has to happen at that level. It has to be about profitability. And, and, and until it is, I think it will just be something that happens at the sidelines where businesses overplay what they do. They continue to operate in ways where they're offloading costs onto people and planet. They're exploiting vulnerable groups. 
that's what their business model does. That's what it relies upon. It's legal or it's customary. It's what we've always done. <laughs> that's how we make our money. It's for the next generation of, of executives to work out how the business can produce its widgets with not, without doing that stuff. Um, but for us, that's what we do. As I said, it's legal or customary. We're going to offload and we're going to exploit uh, and we'll do some glossy CSR reporting over there. Um, and um, uh, you know, everybody's going to suck it up because everyone's used to greenwash. And this is the way the world works. This is the way that business works. And uh, we'd like to stop the bus and get off, but nobody can because, uh, yeah, as I say, this is this is the way the world works. And, and that feels to be a really scary place. I don't have a power and influence as a as a as a as a as a consumer, as an employee, as an investor, as much as I'd like for business to compete in a race to the top and not in a race to the bottom. How do we how do we make that happen? Uh, I think there is possible that we can coordinate in, in a way that um, real responsibility does promote um, profitability. What do you do in order to accentuate that? Well, what you preach. yeah. So, um, uh, well, how we work with businesses is we we um, we say, look, here are a range of issues that are really important. <laughs> Let's work out which ones are the most important for you. Um, and we've looked at 50, 60, 70 different issues over the over, over the years. Um, and even the biggest businesses cannot get their arms around all of those. So, um, you know, if it's if, if you're a large business, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 issues can be priorities. If you're a small business, maybe it's just three or five. But that's job one, which of these issues, and I've mentioned um, tax and employee engagement, mental health and well-being in the workplace, how you treat your customers, um, charitable giving, animal testing, uh, community impact, uh, whistleblowing, board effectiveness. Um, if it's if there is some dimension to um, ethics or responsibility, if it's uh, important for the business, if it, if it impacts on wider society, then we, we want to look at it. Um, so we, we, we've, we've worked on all these different issues and we have a process whereby we help a business make um, work out what its priorities are. And then having done that, we help um, to find out how it currently performs. And um, we, we say, here are all the things that make up organizational culture. Here are all the things that make up mental health and well-being in the workplace. Yeah, um, and um, help them get a sense of, um, of these issues, better understanding of these issues and better understanding of how they perform. Um, and we do that on their top three or top five or top 10 issues or how many priorities they've selected. And we have this very simple approach to um, scoring. Um, we say, are you, uh, is your performance on these issues, is it, it's either poor or okay or good or excellent. Um, and um, we have different ways of uh, approximating how they perform. So, so those are our initial steps. What are the priorities? Um, tell me more about um, this issue. Tell me more about what your business does. How is it currently performing? Is that poor, okay, good, or excellent? Now I'm looking at our scores on 10 different issues. I can see where we need to invest our precious finite resources to improve. If you're poor on, an issue, on a priority issue, that is where you need to invest your resources to improve. Pursue good and excellent in due course, well and good, but don't be poor on critical issues. Um, first, that's what you need to work on first. So this is a, a it's a process of prioritization and um, performance assessment and uh, uh, working out an improvement plan, and then what you need to, to do to make those improvements to get from poor to okay, and maybe 
from OK to Good or Excellent beyond that. Um, and for the next year, we'll look at another five or 10 issues, um, or we'll eradicate poor across all our priorities, and then we'll work out where we can be good or excellent. Sometimes improvements are pretty straightforward. <laughs> there's no real risk. There's no great cost. Um, did you know you can do X, Y, and Z? This is what another business that we work with has done. Uh, and it's gone from um, it's gone from uh, from poor to good pretty pretty quickly. Uh, sometimes it, you know those improvements can be made easily. Sometimes um, not. Sometimes businesses are, are, are pers persist persisting with uh, poor performance on a critical issue because they don't know how to not do that and still get their particular widget out the door at the right price and quality. Many businesses are using SDGs as a driver for what we're talking about now in your opinion is that the correct approach um if that's a framework um we have a framework b corporation have a framework they have a survey um don't don't economics is a, is a framework and um i think they're um yeah obviously there are rationales for using a framework pick the one that's best for your business pick one that's going to help you actually improve on these critical things and ideally uh, that where those improvements can benefit your business commercially and financially. I think that's an a critical bit here. And one we don't shy away from, and I think one what sort of distinguishes us somewhat, um, do it because it's the right thing to do and do it because it's going to be best for your business. So as I say, that's a framework. We've looked closely at the SDGs. Um, 17 goals, are, um, uh, 169 targets within those 17 goals. And what we discovered was, um, and trying to map those, to the 50, 60 different issues that we looked at over the years, um, you know, uh, is there a, is there a, is there a clear mapping? Is there a clear relationship with our list of uh, of 50, 60 different things and and what's in those uh, 17 goals? And uh, we found that there wasn't very easy to to link the two. Um, our issues have been developed uh, over many years because businesses have said this is what we all need to look at because the NGOs have said this is what businesses need to look at and they've become hot tip topics for those reasons they bubble up uh, we need to do something on modern slavery because you know the government's just passed a law uh, to force us to create modern slavery statements and da, da, da. so that that that's where the, you know it's, we've been sort of de demand led in terms of the issues that we've looked at from both the businesses and the NGOs the the when we analyzed the, the 169 um, targets within the goals we found that about a third of them were um, relevant to businesses um, we, we, we've, we found about another third could be relevant to businesses depending on what sector those businesses operated in. And the, the remaining third were very much about government policy um, and not um, something that businesses could impact particularly well. Um, that said, um, you know, uh, I know lots and lots of businesses are looking at those 17 goals and thinking about which ones are most relevant to them and doing doing useful things. But there also, I, I fear that many businesses that uh, are not doing that in a very joined up way um, and um, perhaps using it as a as, as a framework for greenwashing <laughs> as opposed to a, a framework for improving their operations. You've got a very amazing list of clients that um, from Burberry, Nationwide, Grant Thornton, Linklater's, The Guardian, um, amongst others. They're all large companies. Is that a barrier? If you're a smaller organization, can you use your framework? 
Yeah, we in many respects sort of prefer the smaller organisations um, at the moment. We've had a really uh, weird uh, few years where things have not gone particularly well for us. Um, we, um, as I said, you know, we've always been looking to create this product. Uh, and in 2015, we set out to build a, a platform to enable us to do all the work that we, we, we've been doing with businesses in, in a sort of structured, ordered, automatable way. And that didn't really work and, in fact, failed slowly over a number of years and uh, ended up um, in uh, legal uh, dispute with the web developers. And we never um, delivered on our promises to, to businesses. So that's caused a lot of problems. Uh, and there's been a few years of hiatus in many respects. Um, and when we've come back recently to think about how we would put this all together in a way, um, in a better way, if we were going to do that again. And uh, we pretty much decided that we will um, because there certainly seems to be the need there to help businesses to do this better and to benefit themselves as a result. So um, those businesses that you mentioned were all guests of our clients. They all participated in roundtable meetings. And um, that was something that uh, as our digital product didn't <laughs> materialize, we did more and more of. And we ended up doing 57 of these roundtable meetings in the boardrooms of the biggest businesses of our in the UK and anywhere really um, those were our clients and they invited in those businesses that you that you mentioned and many others to participate in the roundtable to participate in the workshop um, and um, some of the clients that we had looked at looked at a range of different issues you know dozens of different issues and assessed themselves against this sort of co-created scorecard of poor okay good excellent and we did tax transparency a number of times we did modern slavery a number of times we did uh, diversity and employee engagement and mental health and work-life balance and living wage and um charitable giving and you know dozens of different things we looked at in this in this environment um what what, what it, it occurred to many of participants representing big businesses and small businesses that um that this is a worthwhile way of understanding this particular issue and as the head of tax you know we had the global head of tax and the biggest corporations that there are and from big banks come and sit around the table with the um, as i've mentioned the tax justice network and the people that they that they inspired and, uh, and led in many respects um, the tax campaigners from oxfam and christian aid and action aid all sitting around the same table discussing tax and the poor okay good and excellent of tax um, and um, and they had they benefited. You know, I think that, that the two sides um, had much more respect and time for each other than they ever imagined they would do. Uh, and um, we did some useful work in thinking about poor, okay, good, and excellent. What was what was possible for a business operating in a competitive landscape where there are pressures to compete in a race to the bottom <laughs> rather than the race to the top? How can we? as NGOs and campaigners encourage and enable the businesses to perform better. Um, and, um, and a lot of those businesses <laughs> realized that um, that was good and useful work, a little bit scary, but um, it all worked out just fine. And perhaps um, the head of function, the head of procurement, for example, might come along next time and participate in the round table when we're looking at um, human rights and supply chain uh, and other heads of functions from these or enormous organizations could benefit as and when we looked at different uh, issues but we never quite worked out how to um, persuade lots of large companies to sign up as clients rather than just dip their toe in the water on the on 
on the issues that suited them at the time or suited the, the senior executive at the time. So packaging up what we did was um, was challenging. Um, and uh, we didn't want to be just an events company and just do the, the roundtables. We wanted to um, help the business do work. Uh, if we can diagnose a problem, if we can diagnose that they are poor in this critical issue, we wanted to help them improve and, and to and make the changes in the business to get to okay and beyond. Um, so there was this um, various different functions um, that uh, we fulfilled um, to various different standards um, as we didn't quite get this digital digital product to market. So um, fast forward to um, 2021. Uh, well, fast forward to 2020, I, I, I had a particularly important um, meeting just before the first lockdown uh, in the CEO's office of one of the FTSE 25 companies, one of the biggest 25 companies in the UK. And um, I took somebody from Extinction Rebellion and um, that person's no longer with Extinction Rebellion because they've um, become increasingly militant and in some respects nihilistic and don't want to work with businesses anymore. And this person was very much a business business guy and a brand person, a brand strategist um, who has done lots of great work and continues to do so, but not with Extinction Rebellion anymore. In March last year, he was a representative for them. We went to the CEO's office. We spent 90 minutes there and we had a good discussion. <clears throat> and um, uh, the um, <laughs> the upshot was that, um, that uh, this huge business does accept that um, the climate change, the climate crisis is in is an incredibly grave crisis and that biodiversity crisis could be an even bigger problem than climate and that we have you know human rights disasters all over the world and that you know inequality is out of control and that we've got mental health uh, epidemic and all these things are huge huge problems and while the, the, that business may be changing may be improving the rate of change is not remotely adequate for the scale of the problems that we have. So they turned around and they said, okay, we accept that. How do we be more radical? Tell us what to do so that we can change quicker and faster and be more radical. But as much as we want to be radical, please tell us how to do it in such a way that it's also doable for us, for a FTSE 25 with 10 million customers and 10,000 employees, um, you know, it's got, <laughs> we can be radical if you can make it doable for us. So, so uh, over the last um, year and a bit, we've been working on the, 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 the ex best version of Responsible 100 based on everything that we've learned uh, and all the experiences and all the relationships that we've developed. Um, we have been working on the radical but doable version and we um, are testing it now with smaller businesses um, and um, I um, be very glad to work with um, some add new user testers uh, into that group of um, uh, of companies that are helping us to create the radical doable version of response 100 um, we have always worked with big and large and medium-sized companies uh, we're working also with a branding company uh, called ABA design fantastic uh, uh, specialists in purpose, business purpose, who are helping us to work out what, how to communicate what we do and how to present ourselves in the market and uh, all those sort of things. Um, and um, we have these conversations about whether we should be 
targeting certain sectors or certain size of business and um and we probably should um because <laughs> um you can't boil the ocean and um and provide a service for all businesses of all sizes we appreciate that unfortunately <laughs> we have attracted all sorts of sizes of business and all, from all sorts of sectors over the years um and um having something that works for everybody is is kind of what we stumbled across um for, from a from a launch and growth point of view we probably will be a little bit more selective um and we're particularly interested to, to work with more smaller companies right now Moving into the kind of operational side of your organization, the environmental management, carbon footprinting, what is it that you guys do to help reduce your environmental impact? Well, um, we, we've, um, we've historically looked at um, uh, environmental issues um, through a, a couple of related issues, um, obviously um, emissions, um, greening the supply chain is something else we've looked at. Circular economy, transition to a low carbon economy was something that a lot of big businesses wanted to explore and their part in the transition. Um, and um, uh, critical and endangered species and habitats. Um, we've looked at um, eight or nine different environmental issues. Uh, as I mentioned, um, as we were discussing with this large company last year, Biodiversity may be um, an increasingly important critical issue um, alongside um, climate. Um, so what we want to do is make sure we're covering all the things that matter and that we're working with NGOs and campaigners and think tanks and academics and government uh, and people who are passionate about these, you know, the best experts that tend to be very passionate about their, their subject um, so that we can help businesses explore them. Um, we don't have all the expertise. We're sort of jack of all trade. We know a little bit about all these different topics and we rely on experts. Hence my uh, interest in what you guys are doing and your how-to guides and your best practice guides, because that's probably the good and the excellent for these, these issues. Um, it's, it's easy to identify poor. Um, okay tends to be, um, you know, we know this is an important issue and we're doing some good things even though we're still doing some bad things. Good tends to be we're, we're mostly doing good things and we've mostly eradicated the bad things and excellent tends to be we're sort of net positive, we're an exemplar on this, we're doing really well. So um, our, our job is really mapping the, the issue, mapping the players and the experts and helping businesses to uh, explore these, these things if they're priority issues for them. Uh, to explore and find out how they perform and to improve their performance if they're performing poorly on something that's critical. So that's what we do in and around the environment ourselves. You know, we're a handful of people using laptops, um, and our and our and our impact is low. Uh, we are we are supporters of business declares. We 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 will um, footprint our organisation. We will set a target for for. Um, getting zero uh, net zero or real zero and you and i will debate that again i'm sure um but uh, what we do as an organization our impact is very <laughs> our impact is very slim uh, our opportunity here is um to help businesses to navigate this stuff work out which of these environmental issues are critical to them work out how they perform work out how to improve if they need to be improving okay and finally is there any advice or learning 
that you'd like to share with anyone listening to this podcast one piece of advice that you could give oh put me on the spot there well yeah i think um i take you back to some of those sort of north star thoughts or philosophies or beliefs that we have your job as a business is to get your product or service out the door at the right price and quality uh, at the right time and place um, ahead of your competition and um and that's hard you know (laughs) it's always been hard and it will always be hard to do that and doing that and having the best possible social environmental ethical performance at the same time is harder still um I, i think my my advice would be to you know one of the things that we suggest is that you spend 98% of your time and effort and bandwidth and resource on getting your product and service out the door at the right price and quality and 2%, invest 2% of your bandwidth and resource into doing this stuff as well as you possibly can. Um, we suggested that would be the optimal balance. And if you'll invest that 2% with us, we'll help you deploy that in the most efficient and effective and rational way. Um, but don't lose sight. <laughs> that um, the best businesses are here today and here tomorrow. I think that's really good advice, really pragmatic and a really sensible approach and resonates very much with with me as I'm shouted at by the marketing team quite regularly. Why aren't we shouting about this? Well, let's just do it. People will learn from us. People will learn that you've done it. And that's actually more important. Practice what you preach. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for having me and for your great questions. And thanks for listening to the Sustainable Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, why not join our post-podcast discussion in our online community at sustainabilitysolved.org. We will be sharing ideas and collaborating on business ethics with our members. Join now and find a space to collaborate with like-minded professionals, learn more about sustainable business and inspire others to become more environmental. We also have an important update for our listeners. We will soon be changing the name of this podcast to Sustainability Solved to better reflect the content of our podcast. You will still be able to access all your original podcasts on your preferred platform. And if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get every episode. And don't forget to follow Green Element on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram.